So I want you to say this with me, and you know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debtors as we forgive those. I just messed that up, didn't I? (laughs) Forgive us. Where am I? (laughs) Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Deliver us from evil. Wait, 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 wait. Do you just, you hear what you just said? You just said to God, lead us not into temptation. Does God actually do that? Does God actually tempt us? So in my, even as I'm saying that, I hear people go, yes, no, yes, no. Well, well does he? You know, for, for a lot of years in our home, and, I, and I'll tell you the story today because Pam's not here. She is actually with our, our son and his, his wife and our, our grandson. Everett had his one-year birthday, and so Pam had to be in Kansas City for that. And so don't tell her I told you the story. So here's the deal. We, had, we have this, this drama that would, would play out a couple times a year for a long time. And it was this. I would go to her and I would say, hey, look, I need to, I need to cut out some sugar and carbs because I'm not feeling very healthy. And so I just want to make you aware of that. So, you know, just let's, let, let's help me out. And inevitably, I'm telling you, inevitably, uh, something would trigger in her mind. And by the evening time, I would smell chocolate chip cookies <laughs> baking. I kid you not. I walk in there and I go, in the kitchen, I go, what are you doing? I just said, I'm trying to cut on, on calories and carbs and sugar. And she would look at me, she honestly would say this, who said you have to eat any? (laughs) But knowing me intimately, she then would pause and say, would you like milk with those? (laughs) And that's the battle. Part of me wants to be healthy. Part of me wants the cookie. And Pam is calling to the part that wants the cookie. That is temptation. It is Adele singing, hello from the other side. (laughs) Because temptation, the root word of temptation, actually means to pierce through so that you can see what's further, that you can see beyond, you can see what's on the other side. It is a test of enticing. It is to prove what is still there. So Pam and I have some friends, we've had them for a lot of years, and we've lost touch with them now, and I'll explain why. But we met them after they had gotten married, and and we became really good friends, and they told us their story, and the the way they got together is they had an affair. They were working in the same place, and, and... they said chemistry sparked, and he made a move on her in an elevator, and she, she went for it. And, and so they divorced their spouses. They got married. Then they discovered this relationship with Jesus. They asked forgiveness, and they became these really strong followers of Jesus and became leaders in our community of faith. We eventually left that community of faith and, and missed that friendship, and then we heard that about... 12 years after they were married, after the adoption of two beautiful children, she had another affair. 
We didn't live that far away, so I drove down to the town and where they lived, and, and I knew she worked at a Nordstrom store there, and, and so I, I connected with her and said, Can I, I, what time do you have your break? Can we just go have a coffee? I need to talk to you. I, I just need to know what's happening. And so we began talking, and, and she explained how things had gotten bad in the marriage, and, and, and then how she had connected with this other guy. And then I said to her, but you know you can't do this. And here's what she said to me. God forgave me once. He'll forgive me again. Now here's the issue. Not only is it cheap grace, because when you say that, you really don't know the ramifications and the pain you're going to cause. But when the temptation came, because the temptation did come, because the way this happened was, the guy that she had the affair with, before she had the affair with him, he and his wife were having troubles, and, and, and she kicked him out of the house, and they were friends with our friends, and so he came and lived with them. And while he was living there, here came the temptation. Now the temptation comes because it exposes a weakness, because if it's not a weakness, there's no temptation. And so he was there. She began to connect with there. And, and, and what happened is, is when the temptation came, it pierced through, and the thing that had caused the first affair was still there. It had never been removed, and therefore, she had another affair. Temptation reveals what is still there. So a few weeks ago, we as a church have journeyed together, and, and we spent a week fasting saying, God, look at us. What's in there? because that's what fasting does. It just really exposes us to God. It's the, it's the living out the psalmist David when he says, see if there be any harmful way in me. Search me out. And so then we came together and we said, on, on, on a sacred assembly Sunday, we, we laid that down and said, we're going to lay all of that stuff down and we're going we're gonna to submit to your will. Now, Jesus wants us to know that when we come to him and we lay it down and we say that we're going to walk with him, as we have come and said that whatever is not God birthed for this moment, we let it go, understand that following that kind of confession, there will always be a test. Because the temptation comes to reveal what is left. So, Jesus goes to the Jordan River. There is John. John is baptizing people for repentance of sin. Jesus has not sinned, but he is baptized so that all will see that he has totally submitted himself to his Father, that the kingdom of God is more important than his life. So he submits himself, he comes back up, there is a, a dove that comes on him, the Holy Spirit comes on him, and anoints him. That anointing says, you now are my representative. You have authority to function in this world and represent the kingdom of God. So that's why Jesus would go into a town and say, the kingdom of God is here. But immediately after that anointing, there is a test. And Satan comes to probe to see if there is any weakness. But in Jesus, in his condition, there was no sin. 
Temptation comes to reveal what is still here. So Jesus says to us, if you are going to pray, come your kingdom be done, your will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It starts with us, and so we let go. We say, okay, okay, let your kingdom start right here, because the kingdom can't come out there if it doesn't start here. He says, if you're going to do that, then you absolutely have to pray. You absolutely have to pray. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. See, Jesus isn't praying, God, please stop tempting me. Because we know, according to James, the bishop of Jerusalem, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. What loving father takes his little child for the first time and puts her on a bicycle with no training wheels and no previous experience and just shoves the child and lets go and then delights in the impending crash. You don't do that. A good, good father works hard to make his child a success. God does not set us up to fail. Ever. Jesus isn't praying, don't lead me into tests. Tests are essential. We need tests. Tests show us what is still there that is dangerous for us. So quite honestly, there'll be times in our family that, that I will get cranky, I will get angry, I will, use, I will say things I shouldn't say, and Pam will look at me, she says, what's going on with you? What was it? What is It's not me. That's got, what's going on with you in here? And I'll say, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going on. And I have to go into prayer and say, God, what is that thing? What, why am I acting this way? Why am I not controlling myself? What is wrong with me now, right here? What is that? Understand that God does not tempt, but God tests. And God tests by allowing Satan to tempt. Because how many of you have ever been tempted? See, God didn't do that. Satan did that. Because he knows what's happening inside of you, and he knows where your weakness is. He said, really, God would do that? Well, yeah. Have you ever read where, where Satan gets access entree into God's presence, and and they're talking about the world, and God says, have you ever considered my servant Job? I've always said, God, please never say that to Satan about me. (laughs) Have you ever considered my servant Jack? Don't say that. And Satan says, well, sure, he's doing great because you just keep blessing and blessing and blessing. He said, but let me add him. And God says, okay, you can tempt him, but this far and no farther... And God allows it. Why? Because God likes a real good celestial bet? No, because there's still stuff in Job that has to come out, and that temptation applies itself to that weakness. See, if, if, if I'm saying today I don't want to eat anything, and you come by and you try to tempt me with tomatoes, it's not a temptation. I hate tomatoes. 
you can put those in front of my face all day long and I'll just throw up. That's all I'll do. But if you come by with some lobster queso, all bets are off because that's a weakness. See, God says, here's how I'll do you. I'm going to test you so that I can reveal into you, reveal to you what is down in here. But always, 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 God says, when I test you, I also give you God ability to conquer it because I have a purpose. And James records what that purpose is. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The thing that God designed for you to be, you'll get there. But it's going to become, it's going to come by testing. Tests reveal the weakness, but at the same time, provide a means by which we grow up. So what Jesus actually is praying is this. Lead us out of this moment of testing without succumbing to it. Oh, Father, don't take me into a place that I can't conquer. And he says, oh, I wouldn't do that. For Paul the Apostle makes it clear when he says, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is what? Faithful. He's right there. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way of escape. Not that you're going to get away from it, but that you can stand up under it because your temptation is not greater than the God within you. So what happens is this. The, the, the test comes. The temptation comes in front of you. Now you get this weakness exposed. And when you see the weakness and you know that's your weakness, at that moment what you do is you say, all right, that part is weak because it has not submitted to God. It has not said, come your kingdom be done, your will right here. So I'm saying to you, God, whatever you have to do in here, I'm going to submit this part of my life to you. Because listen to me. If you have a weakness and you continue to have a weakness, the issue is this, that God's not moved in there yet. Man, I deal with stuff and, and, and I get this tempted. I say, oh, God, please. And God said, well, you're still holding back. You're, you're, you're still not letting go of that. Let me have that. Because when we do, he said, then you can stand. Then you can endure. Because we said, we've said for the last couple of weeks that it's like a wolf that's after us, and the wolf has great endurance, and the only way that we get that wolf off our back is to have greater endurance than the wolf. And that endurance comes from submitting what is weak to God. Then we have the ability to conquer. So what we have to do is this. We have to declare war on what's killing us. So what do you struggle with the most? What is it? Understand that more than likely, it goes deeper than that. It goes deeper than my chocolate chip cookies. It goes greater, it goes deeper than your, your porn addiction. It goes deeper than the need that you have to cheat on your income tax. It goes deeper than flirting with that married man. It goes deeper than your rage. Paul says, this is how deep it goes. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about the sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? To death. 
But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Now, I want to just stop there and just say, how many of you have the Spirit of God living in you? Right? Then he just said, you are not controlled by that flesh. You are controlled by the Spirit, the Spirit of God's living in you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what the sinful nature tells you to do, urges you to do, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God. Inside of us, we still have this old, rebellious, insubordinate, self-seeking, self-sufficient nature that wants what it wants. And Paul says, understand what it's doing to you, that thing that's inside of you. Verse 13 said it, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. You're, you're eroding. You're, you're being eaten up on the inside. That sin nature has been trying to kill us since we were born. That's, that's Satan's mission statement. Pull out his mission statement, and he's there to kill anything that, that reflects the life and the beauty of God. And you're one of those things that reflect that. And until we believe that life is an all-out war, following Jesus is just really playing at following Jesus. It's not for real. Check how how serious Jesus is, check out how serious this is with Jesus when it comes to fighting against this evil and sin. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. This is Jesus, the one we know is so loving. He said, you've got to do this by force. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have to decide that you're going to fight for it. If you're going to pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done, you have to fight for it. You have to be killing sin or sin is killing you. But you can't be neutral. You can't just have part of it. You can't say, I'll kill this sin and keep this sin. You can't do that. All of it's got to die or you will die. So my wife, Pam, is the most sweetest, loving person I know. Absolutely. We've been married about a month and we were both working in this, this same place. And, and my job was, was in the marketing department, and, and so I had just taken a group of people on a tour of the campus of where we were working. And that was lunchtime, and so Pam and I met at lunch, and we were seated at a table having lunch with some other people. And the tour group that I had just led around came in, and with this tour group was a very attractive young woman who was on the tour from the South. She walked right over and leaned in front of Pam over to me. And she said, I just want to tell you, that was the most wonderful tour I've ever had. You were so funny. Ha, 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 And I just loved the things you said. It was just so much fun being with you. I felt Pam's nails in my leg. <laughs> See, this woman had entered into the kingdom of Pam. And Queen Pam was ready to do some sweet violence to the southern bell. Now listen to sweet Jesus. 
And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. What? Get violent. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. I've got, got to tell you this great story because it really puts it back down to the fact that this is us dealing with our own sin because we're really good at finding other people's sins. So I, I was in college and, and there was this girl from Arkansas. Her name is Jeannie and she's very attractive. And, and in, in the college I was in, it was a Bible college, so they were very careful what we wore, but Jeannie always wore skirts much shorter than they were supposed to wear. And, and so we're seated in class and Jeannie comes walking down the aisle in this short skirt and, and you just, you know, you, you try not to look, but, but it's God's creation. And so you just got to enjoy that <laughs> when you're an adolescent. You just, uh, uh. So, so there's this guy in the back. We call him Hallelujah Frank. Because <laughs> every time in chapel, Frank, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. So he's just really into, into Hallelujahs. And, and so... So, so, so Frank is, is actually in the front, and, and Jeannie's walked by, and she goes, sits in the back, and suddenly we see Frank writing something down, and, he, and he, he sends this note back to Jeannie, and the note says this, do not make your brother stumble. Soon there's a note coming back up to Frank, and it says, if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. So here's the deal. Frank's got to deal with the issue too. Jesus said, I want you to understand that if you're going to get rid of sin in your life, you've got to become violent in the process. It is not a passive-aggressive deal because you know what it is and you need to kill it. It's time for a radical assault on our own sin. And I like how, how John Piper describes this violence. It's violence against all impulses in our own selves that would make peace with our own sin and settle in with a peacetime mentality. It's violence against all lust in ourselves and enslaving desires for food or caffeine or sugar or chocolate or alcohol or pornography or money or the praise of men and the approval of others or power or fame. So wait, wait, take out sugar. Don't put that in there. It's violence against the impulses in our own soul toward racism and sluggish indifference to injustice and poverty and abortion. He said, you got to kill that stuff that's in you. Following Jesus demands war on any impulse that is not Jesus birthed. And if Jesus doesn't say that deal, that thing, you go for it, then you've got to kill it. Anything that is hostile to God, anything that is not that is, is not willing to submit or able to submit, you've got to suffocate. Or the tempter will pierce into that hostility that you still have toward God because anything we've kept from God is hostile to God. And if you pierce into that thing, and temptation will do that, all that hostility will spill out further into your life and take over. He said, you've got to kill that thing. So... Last week, I was opening the mail, and, and I got this really wonderful, wonderful offer from Sports Illustrated. I like sports, and I haven't had Sports Illustrated for a long time because I just don't want to pay the money. And it was like a ridiculous offer, like 40-some-odd issues for $10, $12. Well, this is great. So I'm starting to read down through all the stuff, plus the little gift they give you. And then it said this. 
and I'm going to get really candid with you now, it said this. It said, and also you get this, the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. I said, oh. And there's part of me in here that still says, huh, who would know God's creation? You say, yeah, but, but you could still get that and just throw that out. I could, but would I? You say, but you're a pastor. I'm a pastor second. I'm a man first. I'm, I'm like that. I love this story. I'm like that old priest. He's got this protege he's training, and the protege says, you know, Father, I'm dealing with this lust stuff, and, and, and when will I be able to trust myself? And the priest said, son, I wouldn't trust myself until I was dead three days. If my mind is left open for porn of any type, I will be attacked. If my emotions keep the option for rage, then the battlefield is set. If my will refuses to forgive, then bitterness will wage war. That's why Paul, Paul reminds us, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have what? New life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Now, I want you to just pause here and just say, listen, the Scripture says, how can we go on sinning that grace may increase? We die to sin. How can we live it any longer? So when we were, when we were baptized with Jesus, not the part about being in the water, that's representative of it, but when we put our faith in Jesus, we died when he died, and our sin was forgiven, it was buried, and the need to sin was disconnected. But we still have this nature in us that responds to satanic calls that wants to give in to that. So, so we, are, we have new life, but now we have to live out the new life, which means we've got to say to, to our bodies, no, you can't do that anymore, and you don't have to do that anymore. And there's a God thing in me that says, I don't have to do that anymore, but I sure would like to do that. I mean, if you want to see that, turn to, to Romans 7 and watch Paul go battle back and forth. That's what I want to do, but I shouldn't do. And the thing I, I don't want to do, I end up doing and who's going to save me? And it says, oh, Jesus will. So it comes to this point that, that we've got to decide how we're going to do this. And, and what we've got to do is we've got to do two things. We've got to remove and replace. We've got to remove every opportunity for sin. Got to remove it. And you know what that stuff is. You know where that is, that that, that temptation will come. You've got to remove it. And then secondly... You've got to replace that weakness. And you can say, yeah, with what? My willpower? No, no, no. Willpower is not going to make it. You don't have enough willpower. What you need is God power. And we get that God power by doing this, that we begin to declare submission to the things of the Spirit, not to the things of the flesh, because we have submitted to the things of the flesh, the stuff that we wanted, the things that our lust goes after. We've submitted to that. He said, you can't do that anymore. You've got to submit to the things of the Spirit. Paul makes this, this great argument in, in Corinthians, and he says, okay, so you have not received the spirit of the world, which is where all of the sin and fleshy stuff comes from, but you have received the spirit which is from God so that he can reveal to you all the things that God has freely given you. How many want to know all the things that God has freely given you? I do. So Paul then says this, and we impart in, the, in, in words, 
not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So I looked at the offer from Sports Illustrated and said, I could work around this maybe. But what I did, I threw it out and I said, I'm not going to give opportunity. I had to remove it. Now I have to do some replacing because I know that I still have issues here if that temptation said, hey, you could look at that. So Paul says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to hear divine spokespeople, people sent by God to speak to you, and they're going to give you the word of God. And you need to embrace that word. You need to take it and inculcate it into your life. You need to, and we've talked about this, you need to meditate upon it. It needs to be on your lips. You need to take that word and let it settle down deep inside of you because the scripture says that word is the sword of the spirit. God has a sword and it's meant for violence, not for people killing, but for sin killing. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, unless the word of God is really taking hold inside of us, we cannot fight the temptation that's around us because we will never get rid of the stuff that's inside of us that the temptation has attached itself to. Here's what a focus on God's word does for us. You don't have this, this, this in your notes, but you may want to write down the reference, Galatians 3, 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You see, it's not my willpower to say, okay, I'm going to fight lust or I'm going to fight anger. I'm going to fight. You can just keep talking about it and fighting it, but you're still just rehearsing the things of the flesh. What we need to be doing is taking the words of God and attaching them to our faith because here's what happens. When the words sink down, even that mustard seed-sized faith grabs hold of the word of God and says, I believe the promise that God will be more and do more for me than what that sin has promised me. And here's part of what he offers. First of all, we're going to get greater endurance. We're going to be able to keep moving further away from the stuff that's eating us up. Hebrews 10.36 says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. When you take the word of God in you, and you, and you meditate on it, and you hear it, and you, you rehearse it, and you, and you understand not only the words themselves, but the truths that are packed with that, and the promises that are the realism that's with that, it gives you endurance to keep moving. Secondly, you're going to get a more powerful escape. John writes, dear children, you dear children are, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. When you get the word of God in you, you have more power in you than Satan and his temptation has over you. You can do that. You can overcome it. I have found that the more that I have, have centered myself in God, the greater ability I have to say immediately to that temptation, I'm moving out of here, and God, keep dealing with this because I'm still tempted. 
Thirdly, it's going to give us a, a greater satisfaction. Hebrews 11 says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. And catch that, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin does not last, the pleasure of sin does not last long. Let me tell you something else that, that the tempter will do. He will tell you that nobody will know. And then when you do it, he'll tell you everybody's going to find out. And then you work in fear and guilt. He thought it better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to what? His great reward. He said, I got this, this thing with God that's going to be much better than this temporary thing. Every escape that God provides so that you can stand up under it will be different, but they all have this in common. It is listening to Jesus and believing him. So that moves us back if you're going to do that how to listen to him, it oozes back to what we said last week, and I'm going to encourage you again. There's four things we need to start right now, if you're not there already. The first is this. We need to increase our prayer time. When? Now. At home, with our families, with me on Wednesday right here. We had about 40 to 50 people here with me last Wednesday. We pray together from 5.30 to about 6.15. Be here. Secondly, Include fasting in a regular habit starting now. Fasting helps us hear God clearly and keeps knocking out the battlefield from the enemy because if we start denying ourselves, then he has no place to tempt us. Thirdly, keep the Holy Scriptures in our mouth starting when? Now. And keep the Holy Spirit in our core because if when you do and you keep talking to the Holy Spirit, and asking him to guide you, you are doing the things of the spirit which moves out the things of the flesh. He starts moving in and evicting out, and the sword of the spirit is used to chop away all those things that have tried to root inside of you. So, you confess, say, God, here it is. I'm, these are things I want to lay down. And now the test comes, because God says there's still stuff in there you didn't know about, and now you feel the temptation. At that moment, you need to remove as much as you can those bases from which that temptation will work. And then you need to replace whatever that stuff is by allowing the Holy Spirit to move in and, and focusing on what the Spirit of God is telling you. That is how we live out. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is how we make a decision to kill sin. So I end this morning simply by this. I've challenged you because this is life and death. And I don't know anybody in this place that doesn't get tempted. We all have that stuff, and God says, I, I want to clean it out. I I and I've given you the ability to face this. And there's so much more to this, and we're going to deal with it in the next weeks, but everything from, from how you pray to who you hang out with so that they can encourage you in this process. Because if we're going to do this, we have to do life together. But I want to pray a prayer over you today if you are determined. If you are determined to put to death, to, to declare war on sin that you can become all that God has designed for you, that you can reach the maturity that he has planned for you. So would you stand? And I'm going to ask you to simply do this.
if this applies to you, and you may be an introvert and you don't like to draw attention to yourself, like there's a lot of people in here, they're not going to pay attention to you. But I'm going to ask you, if, if this is really you, as I begin to pray this prayer over you, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hands and to surrender and just say, okay, here we are. God, I really want this. And, and I'm going to put in action those things I need to do. So I'm going to pray this over you. If you'd like to do that, then just raise your hands right now and surrender. Oh, God, keep us from those temptations that crush us, which we in our weakness are unprepared to face. We are weak, God, but you're strong. So give us Jesus, the one who never gave into temptation, the one who never sinned. May our strong brother stand with us. We cannot overcome satanic attack, but he can. We are not smart enough to outwit the devil, but Jesus is. We cannot come back from a full onslaught of Satan's fury, but Jesus did. Well, God, lead us not into temptation. Would you spare us those trials that threaten our weak mustard seed faith? But, oh God, if they come, if you choose not to spare us those trials, may we feel the strong arm of our King around us in the midst of them, reminding us and comforting us with the thought that you do not lead your sheep to senseless slaughter. For we have a shepherd, and the wolves of Satan dare not come against our shepherd. Would you grant us rest for our weary souls, healing and peace? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Forever and ever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.